What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Modern Day Sniper Podcast. I am Kalen Wojcik, one of your hosts, and with me is Philip Vallejo, and we are back with another episode. So thank you guys for your patience. And if you guys are uh, first joining us with the Modern Day Sniper Podcast, what this podcast is all about is it is for the modern day rifleman or the discerning shooter that is looking to get just raw information and is on a journey to try to master this, uh, this craft of art and science. And so if you guys are anything like us, whether you're a professional, an enthusiast, a hunter, or a competitor, you guys are exactly like us and you are looking for knowledge and you are students of the craft. So welcome to the show. What's up? <laughs> What's up? was up um nothing man so we're finally starting to get some cooler weather here in washington state which i'm super grateful for um it's getting to be hunting season we are planning our 2022 schedule that is up and out there so if you guys are interested in taking any classes with us in 2022 make sure you hit up the schedule and get yourself registered we have a badass new um technology platform with um uh, that, that helps us with our events. And Cassandra has been busting her ass to get that thing up and running. And it's a completely new experience for people. Each class is essentially getting its own little miniature website. So every piece of information that you need about the class is on the website and you get to control your entire experience. So cruise over, even if you don't want to register for a class, just cruise over and see what it's all about. It's pretty cool. Um, and you can find that at moderndaysniper.com. Uh, a lot of you guys have been hitting us up on on where we're where we're teaching, and you know we've got locations in uh, Virginia, Texas. Um, we'll, we just we'll talk about super, this in a little bit. Super pumped about Virginia and Texas, yep. man! I love going to those those venues. It's going to be then, super uh, fun. Florida in February. We got Florida in January and February. Yep. Um, and uh, then the UK next uh mm. next september um so uk dude that's huge that's uh that's, that's gonna, gonna be, be so fun gonna be big it's gonna be super fun uh, to to meet all of our uh um followers out there so definitely check that out but um no man it's been a good couple of weeks uh we i just came back from ohio range day 2021 and that was um that was super cool it's um so Ohio Range Day is ran by a, a company called Achilles Heels Tact Achilles Achilles Heel Tactical. He's a former uh, Marine Corps Scout sniper. I believe he was like the same time frame I was. His name is Rick Crawley. Uh, he was uh, based out of Hawaii, I think, one uh, three. And uh, you know, we've been following each other on the gram for a while. This is what I love about like just not only a community community, but just like social media, like the the pros of it. And, um, he, you know, he hit me up and he was like, Hey man, uh, this is the first time that we're kind of doing this, but, uh, I was wondering if you would like to come out and, you know, host a little bit of a long range instruction for our Ohio range day. And uh, I've been seeing that he's been doing it for the last couple of years and, you know, his community, especially his training company, uh, strictly focused on like pistol, uh, pistol carbine stuff, you know, transitions and, you know, had a gunfight with a pistol and carbine. Um, so I was like, yeah, why, why not? And so we planned it and, uh, it was an amazing turnout, man. We had, um, 
about 15 students each day uh, for on Saturday and on Sunday. And um, the range was perfect for a introductory level course. We had steel out to 700 and, um, nice. you know, hundred yard, uh, hundred yard targets from 200 all the way out to 700. And it's like a, in a KYL format. So you got your big targets all the way up to little. And then nice. in between, uh, there was like full size and, uh, uh full size and 50% of six at like the 250, 350. So like right in between the hundred yard berms. Um, and, uh, it, which was perfect because we had a mix of both bolt guns and gas guns. Mm-hmm. Um, so after, you know, uh, the main like class, I split them up, bolt gun and gas guns for the gas guns to focus on the, you know, uh, if six size targets and the bolt guns focus on, um, the, uh, the, you know, KYL size targets. And, you know, it, it was, uh, it was really good, you know, considering we were in a huge time restraint and, um, you know, we, we could only train from pretty much, uh, eight to, uh, two from eight, eight in the morning to two. And the reason for yeah. that was, is, um, he had sponsors come on board and it was a really great way for, uh, the sponsors of that community to interact with, to actually have good engagement with, uh, their core audience. You know what I mean? You know, typically you go to an event and stuff like that and they have the booth set up and, you know, you're kind of just walking aimlessly around, but what they did, which each, uh, sponsor did was set up like some t- kind of competition for these guys. Um, and so that these guys had uh, the ability to actually get hands on the hands on the product and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, uh, it was really neat, but um, I'm telling you to shove down. I mean, our, it was essentially, imagine PR one one in six hours. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. It's that's, that's tough, man. I've done those before for uh, here in Washington state. They have uh Wastoa, the Washington state tactical officers association. And they do that. It's like a round Robin. Um, you know, dudes will register for a half a day class and it's like, you have three days, right? So guys can get, um, basically six different classes if they wanted to, you know, for three days, which is cool. I mean, it's a super cool format. Um, the shit one year, um, Kyle, Kyle lamb was out and there was a couple other, uh, you know, well-known pistol, pistol carbine dudes there. And it just gave dudes an opportunity to, um, gain some knowledge in a short amount of time just to help them give, get some exposure to what is out there and what's possible. And I think that's really important because that's where the seeds get planted for change and, and movement forward is just getting the little seeds, seeds planted. And then they're there, they get watered. And then hopefully the people that have the knowledge have the ability to articulate the importance of spreading it and passing it on. And that's generally how that shit works. Yeah, man, we I saw all sorts of crazy setups, a little different setups from what we're, we're used to, you know what I mean? Especially with the gas guns, a lot, a lot of gas guns, uh, LPVOs, right? Yeah. Um, guys that were shooting 77 grain and, you know, being effective out to 700 yards easily. Um, we had to do some minor tweaking with, um, you know, because at that point they're using the reticle to hold, uh, you know, because yep. once, they, once they set their um, zero out of 100, uh, but you know, uh, 16 and a half inch gassers going out to 700 yards, pretty, pretty freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, winds were super light there. You know, I think the most that anyone probably held, even with a two, two, three was, um, half a mil. Right. Yeah. So it's perfect. It was a, the, the conditions were perfect for an introductory level course. And 
That's awesome. I, I knew these guys weren't going to come out there and like, you know, going to be freaking bobbly swaggers by the end of it. But um, the <laughs> idea was just to give, you know, um, that core audience and that core or that community a taste of uh, what precision shooting is. And, and one of the things that I did talk about was understanding, you know, with precision shooting is, is putting that bullet exactly where you want it. Not like, Oh, I've got this, you know, you know, 20 by 40 Ipsic, or, you know, I've got this man sized target that I, I just have to hit. It's like, no, like with precision shooting, you know, and the fundamentals that go behind it and all the atmospherics, like you're, you're hitting that target with intention and you're putting that bullet exactly where it needs to be, you know, cause there's a, there's a huge difference between, you know, uh, suppressive fire. Right. And then, um, you know, accurate suppressive fire to put some yeah. dude's head down and, and stuff like that. So, uh, it was really, really cool. And like I was telling you a lot younger core audience than where we used to, um, you know, mainly, <laughs> mainly because I mean, get, let's be honest, getting into the long range, Getting yeah, into it's, long not, range it's, not, not, it's, it's not, not it's not cheap. It's, it's not cheap. Uh, even it's, even with your budget route, right? You're talking easily you're talking of a couple three thousand bucks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and especially if you get hooked into it, it's like one thing after another. Reloading components, you know, upgrading glass, upgrading, um, you know, ammo, and mm -hmm. um, uh, those guys see it too. Though that community sees the whole ammo issue with us, you know, uh, spikes in, in in their ammo. I think they're seeing. Oh, yeah. Uh, 35 to 40 cents a nine mil or two two three round that's but, uh, nuts dude you know what's crazy is that those guys are used to like 350 round round counts per day with pistol carbine oh yeah and i was like and i was like telling oh, these yeah. guys like i mean you know we'll shoot anywhere from 70 to 100 a day you know you know, you know it was super funny when when i was um when i was in the application process uh to get hired at magpul during the interview process, um, the guys were like, Hey, so like how much ammunition do you need, you know, to teach a class? And I was like, I don't know, like if I was really skimping 150 rounds of class and they all, like, I remember there was three of them in the room. They all like stopped and looked at each other and they were like, man, that's going to save us a lot of money already <laughs> because like the carbine dudes, the, the, those instructors are just like, burning it down yeah. shooting you know three thousand four thousand rounds of class just because they're shooting constantly and so i was like yeah man like maybe 150 rounds it's all about it's about the students it's not about it's not about yeah. anything else right yeah. so i'm just demonstrating and then they do all the work yeah because that's yeah. what they're there to do and, and and that's funny that you, i'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly what i try to do you know, and, and day one is always a guinea pig because it was the first time that I had scaled our course down to six hours. Um, so I felt like day two ran a little better, but I, we still, you know, I still wanted to have these guys shoot like it, 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 like I was there to just give them, hey, this is what like we talk about with modern day or modern marksmanship mechanics behind a precision rifle. And I did the same thing where we like taught a real quick class and then we went out and immediately practiced at it you know, yeah. uh, have them shoot, you know, 15 to 20 rounds with their guns, um, you know, minor tweaking. And that was, a, I mean, another thing too, is like these, I didn't, I couldn't get uh, that much hands-on for like tweaking, right. Mm -hmm. uh, from what we're yeah. used to. Uh, and, and that's a, to be expected. You know what I mean? Cause uh, those guys, you know, especially uh, carbine and pistol instructors, 
you know, their, their curriculum, when they go out to, to have class, is typically one to two days. And I was talking to some of the instructors that were brought on, you know, I asked them how, how many, you know, days of the class they usually do. They're like, oh, we only have like a one eight hour day. And it's like, man, so they're, they're only tailoring their instruction from eight hours to six hours where it's like, I'm taking four days and I'm making it in six hours. So it's a little tough You're on like, the long range side. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because, well, I mean, it begs, it's the same thing you and I talked about with the prep to hunt series, right? In terms of like the amount of information that you could possibly um, try to communicate. It's a lot, right? It's a lot. And you've just got to constantly make the determination. Okay. Well, what do the students need versus what do I want them to know? Yeah. Right. So like, could I give, do you think you could give, do you think you could get somebody shooting consistent or as consistent as they could be within the time constraints in an hour? Like if you just had somebody to work with and like, they already understood some, some core principles of shooting in terms of like, Hey, this is what you do. Like you don't yank on the trigger. They don't have any major issues with trigger control. Do you think you could get somebody to do what you want them to do in an hour? And depends on their like technical, like how, how proficiency, how, how, um, how receptive are they to the speed at which you're going to have to communicate information? Yeah. Right. They're going to need to just, they're going to need to be that student that just like says, yep. Okay. I'll do that. I'll apply that. Like, I mean, that was, I remember, I remember like learning how to skydive. That was exactly the way it was. They were like, you need to do, and I'm like, Hey dude, just tell me exactly what I need to do. And I will do that. You just need to tell me what it is that I need to do. They're like, yeah, okay. Yes. No problem, dude. Just do, do this with your arms. And I would go and I would do a jump and I would do that. And they were like, yep, fixed. No problem. And I'm like, yes, that's all I need. Like, I just need you to tell me exactly what I need to do. So if you have a student that has that ability to, to just like, get that information at the rapid pace. I think that's totally possible. Yeah. And, but what that does is it just gives them more opportunity than like, okay, if I get a guy that's shooting consistently, shooting good groups consistently at hundred yards on paper um, and I can get him to do it, uh, you know, a couple, three times. Right. Okay, cool. Now it's let's move out to the steel and do some stuff out there. And so you can get them moving along as long as they can be consistent is what I've found anyways, is if you can get a student to be consistent, you can move them along in the process fairly quickly and get them to retain more information. So a good question, a common question that I get a lot is like the order of which a long range shooter should learn uh, long range shooting. I like it. Um, So what, like what, if going back to, you know, if you only had an hour or you only had a set amount of time with this individual, let's say one full day, right. Of eight hours in which order and precedence, I guess, would you want that person to take away about precision long range shooting? Uh, for me, I would say natural point of aim. You, you probably, you probably expect that I would say like, if there's any one thing I could get that person to understand it's natural point of aim, because once you get them to understand what that is, they're like, Oh, okay. So that's, that's what I got to do. 
I gotta make yeah. I gotta make sure that thing, I gotta make sure that fucking rifle points at the target while I'm relaxed. Okay, cool. All right, let's try to work, let's try to work towards that every single time. Right. So that's in my mind, if I can get them, you know, if I can get them to understand to do whatever it is that you got to do with your body to achieve that, like I don't give a shit how you do it. I don't care if you stand on your fucking head. You know, as long as you can understand, as long as you can comprehend what a natural point of aim is, then I can teach you all kinds of shit. You know, like we can do all kinds of shit after that. We just got to figure out how to point that thing at the target naturally. And once that happens, then sure. Yeah. We, the sight picture is going to settle plenty long enough for you to press the trigger. So after natural point of aim, what's next? And once, once, they, once you feel like they say they got natural point of aim down in like three hours, um, the basic core fundamentals. I would say the next point is what are we doing with the visual process of the sight picture? And that links to trigger control, right? So okay. like, okay, so we got the rifle to settle down. We got the rifle to sit still or at least fairly, fairly close. Okay. We know that there's going to be a little bit of wobble going on. So now it's like, okay, get them to understand that we want the center of the wobble in the center of the target. Okay. Even though there's going to be some wobble, we want the center of the wobble to be in the center of the target. So that way we trust the natural point of aim and you send the bullet into the wobble knowing that, Hey, if it's centered inside the constraints of the target, my chances of hitting that target are significantly higher. Right. If I just trust my NPA. And then after that, it's like, okay, when, like, what's the visual process? This is where the trigger cam comes in. We throw the trigger cam on there and we identify at what point in time is the student identifying when the need to press the trigger is because now you can slow that thing down and you can go frame by frame. Right. And then you can go right there is when it went off. Right. And so you can almost identify what the lock time is in frames. Okay. Right. You can almost identify what the lock time is in frames, which so, when, 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 uh, when the reticle stops moving or it has mm -hmm. an acceptable sight picture where you would deem acceptable from the time that the shooter actually presses the trigger, you can see the, you can see the, this, the next frame is all starting to fuzz from, from the movement of the recoil. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's a cool tool, man. It's really a cool tool. And it helps a lot of people see truly what is happening because I think that, um, I've listened to a lot of uh, Frank Proctor talk about um, shooting being visual and how he runs a lot of drills that are, that are uh, visual acuity drills with the, the front sight post on a pistol. And I truly believe that that is a completely transferable uh, skill set back to the precision rifle world. Yeah. Because it is like, Hey, how fast can you shoot in the carbine pistol world? How fast can you shoot? It's very simple. As fast as your sights let you. Yeah. Okay. So if your sight, if, if the next time you open your eyes and you see a sight on the target, press the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but with a, with a precision rifle, it's a little bit different because, um, we have to have, we have to have at least an acceptable sight picture to press the trigger and yeah. the sight's got to sit there long enough for the ballistic event to happen and get the bullet out of the muzzle. So I like it. Yeah.
that's the, the trigger cam is really freaking cool when it comes to that stuff. So yeah, I would say once I can get the guy to understand natural point of aim, and then once a guy or gal, it doesn't really matter. Um, we're seeing a lot, a lot more female shooters out there now. Um, so once the female the shooter shooters under- that I had, uh, had two crushed it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. just picked it up like easy and just like, uh, the one that I was working with, uh, she was on a bulk gun, a little, you know, she was obviously just a little slower, um, but it's because she was very methodical. You know what I mean? She was, she absorbed all the information that, you know, uh, I talked about in class and I mean, she didn't, she didn't miss. She, and when she did miss, it was, it was usually cause I was giving her a bad, bad wind call. Um, she was doing everything you told her to do. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and she was, she, they, uh, her and her husband, her husband was filming, um, and uh she was they were they brought these 131 cnars and i was like at least at first i was worried because they were like the only one out of the 15 that had to use the bc calculator to port off oh. and i was like oh god and then let's we hope this it goes in. well we found the g7 it was like a 193 or something like that <laughs> hey, um shit. uh there's a 193 yeah g7 dude it 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 uh it worked all the way out to 700 bro on fucking right. two moa plates i was like sweet i'm not i'm not even mad about it <laughs> no man that's good yeah. that's good data yeah. they got good yeah. they got good data on that thing so um it's uh it was uh it was it was cool no so <clears throat> i'm actually like i'm glad that i was able to do that because I, I i would say i i recently i think i feel like i've refined um my uh, fundamentals of marksmanship class, you know, because oh yes, good. Uh, typically, that up. for for those that don't haven't been to one and Kayla and I's class, when we are uh, shooting, when we are together, um, I like to focus more on like the fundamental aspect with uh, the class and Kalen because he's very uh, he's a, he nerds out on the ballistics. And he's more he's more technical than I am. <laughs> We usually, we, that's how we, that's how we split up our classes. So Kalen will do like circle of components, external ballistics, and I've got uh, fundamentals of marksmanship. And, uh, you know, I start off with eight common factors or our body, our, our, our body prep checklist. And then, um, I really, really, once you get to the grip, I start, I mean, I know it's a rabbit hole, but since we're already talking about the grip and the trigger finger, I just immediately started going into uh, trigger finger placement and control the rifle with the shooting hand. And understanding how you know the the trigger finger should be set up by, or your your grip or your hold of your hand should be um, set up to accommodate your trigger finger, not yeah. the other way around. Yeah, it's a, it's I'm I'm actually kind of glad you brought that up because I noticed um, with I've I've had some struggles. I've been getting lazy shooting heavier guns and going back to shooting lightweight rifles. I've noticed that I've been I've been gripping the rifle way too hard, way too hard because I'm 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 trying to get it to do what I want it to do, um, and I can get away with a little bit more of that on a heavier, lighter recoiling rifle than I can with you know uh, a, a sub twelve pound um, hunting rifle that has more recoil. So it was good because. It, 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 I needed to, I needed to witness that and to go, okay, like why, why is, why am I getting the results that I'm getting? And it's like, okay, just back off completely on your grip pressure and just shoot a grip or shoot a couple of groups with 
very minimal grip pressure. And instantly I could see that that's where it was. That was, that was the issue. So you're just like, there's something going on between the initiation of seeing the perfect sight picture and going, okay, it's time to press to adding pressure or, um, uh, not evenly, uh, putting pressure into the rifle that you could get away with on a different platform, but you couldn't get away with on a lighter weight gun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was able to, um, identify a lot of, uh, misconception, uh, just bad gouge that again, I used oh, to teach. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that like I didn't used to teach this, but, um, you know, just the bottomless pit of regurgitation without a deeper understanding. So, uh, you know, the very first thing being bipod, bipod heights, we were, mm. we were zeroing at the hundred and guys just, you know, getting super low to the ground and, you know, flexing their, their necks and their, their lats trying to get as low as they possibly can. Um, and then just watching them when it, when that transfers over to the long range side, you know, them start missing high over the target. And, you know, I was like, Hey, you're high. And immediately, what do you think they do? They reach up and grab the, the turret, start to dial down. I'm like, no, dude. I was like, shoot that again. But this time what I want you to do is I want you to raise your bipods up, bring that rifle up nice and high and mm-hmm. uh, give it another go. And then what do you know? Uh, they're just center punching it. And I told him, I was like, Hey, you know, once you compromise that rifle, the shoulder connection, because you're trying to get too low, that's what happens. That butt mm-hmm. sock dips under recoil and your shot end up, ends up going up high. So yep. um, the next thing was loading into the bipods, especially with the gas guns, gas gun guys started having a lot of bad vertical stringing because they were trying to load the, and you can tell these guys were bringing like Magpul bipods. Oh, geez. Which were freaking garbage. Hot Again, they, I mean, they don't know. Right. And, but I would, I, I, I don't even know if I talked about it, but because we didn't really have time to cover circle opponents. But if you guys are in the market for bipods and like you see Magpul bipods, you should just immediately look away and no, go for don't. a set of Harris bipods. Yeah, man. So look, um, yeah. Um, for the dude trying to trick out his AR on a budget, sure. They're fine. Um, but you'll break them like, and they're not, they're just not, they're not the best platform for doing what we want to do with them. So don't even, don't even buy them. Um, those two trends though, Philip are super common, right? That's a super common thing. And you're absolutely right, dude. The, once you compromise the rifle, that, that connection, it's, it's so important to understand like what's happening when the rifle initiates the process of recoil, it has to follow that path consistently through the whole process. And if you interrupt that, or if you change that, you run the risk of that's where your flyers come from. That's where, that's where the bullet is exiting the muzzle at a different position because you have influenced how the rifle is recoiling and how it's moving through the process of recoil. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I told him, I was, I was like, Hey, you know, the best groups are shot from a rest, not even off bipods. You know, I came to get like a little, like a 60 second crash course on internal ballistics. Oh, like, uh, right. Sure. You know, just let them know like, Hey, you know, um, our goal is to apply the same amount of pressure behind this rifle as we can. And no matter what, like 
I was like, even if you do like load into the bipods when you do zero and you get a hell of a group out of it, like by all means, like I'm good. I'm happy for you. Yeah. But you can't the second that you get off your belly, you cannot recreate that same exact load on the bipods or forward on the rifle mm. as soon as you get off off the ground. Yep. Um, Agreed. And that's when you start have point A and point A impact shifts from um, alternate shooting positions. So mm -hmm. um, question for you, if you if you uh, so one thing yeah. that I did uh, just because a lot of these guys, right, are are. Um, they have a like a, a gunfighting mindset, right? Just again, different, mm -hmm. different type of community. Mm -hmm. um, and so, one of the things that I did into like a crash course on positional shooting was understanding: Hey, if you're gonna find, if you're gonna shoot off of a barricade, right? Because I'm not teaching competitors here. I'm, so I'm like, hey, if you're gonna find some kind of barricade to shoot off of, obviously make sure it's sturdy enough, um, or you know, it it allows you to find cover, right? So that mm -hmm. it's protects you from any direct fire weapon systems. And then I had uh, my AI who was um, uh, Rick's um, guy from uh, the precision uh, shooting side. Uh, he's one of our plank holders, by the way, Ryan, uh, super oh, okay. good, super good dude. And um, I, I had him, um, I called out a target. I had him laze it, find it or find it, laze it and shoot it with one round and guess how long it took him. Roughly. Mm. Less than 40 seconds. Less than 40. Yeah, less than 40 seconds. It was 16 seconds, 1670. Um 1670. Yeah, yeah. But just because I mean he's shooting down one lane, so it was easy to just obviously identify the target. Mm -hmm. But then I I told those guys, I was like, all right, someone that knows what he's doing, like especially if you expose yourself you've got about 15 to 20 seconds before he's got uh, a, he's got a drop on you yep. you know what i mean yep so that's dude that's the thing that that people don't get it's like yeah. you have to expose yourself in order for you to put a bullet down range you yeah. have to expose yourself to down range and so like the the prs barricade thing like nah man that 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 doesn't work like you'll do that until the first couple of bullets go zipping by your fucking helmet and you're going to be like okay well that's not a good idea anymore we're not going to do that so then you got to figure out how the fuck else to get it done right yeah. and the way that we do that is you have to have an artificial you have to have a mobile artificial support and the only way that that's going to happen is a tripod or a set of bipods and some ingenuitive thought processes yeah to build these positions out of whatever the fuck it is that you have and like the so rusty did that um rusty ulmer did that stage at his match you know you went into the little tarp the little makeshift tarp room and you built yeah, yourself yeah. a position on yeah. like that's fucking real as shit that's what we had to do that like was you'd run into a room and you'd be like oh fuck, give me that fucking thing give me that fucking thing and that thing too and that's what we were building positions out of because that was the way it was. We didn't have sturdy enough tripods to shoot from. And honestly, you didn't, we didn't expect it, but most of the windowsills over there in the, that region are higher than waist height. Yeah. Right. So you have to build yourself up in order to shoot. And you don't want to hang yourself out of the window because yeah. if I'm actually more concerned about um, a, a Lance Corporal behind a 240 golf than yeah. I am, you know, uh, uh, an enemy 
shooter <laughs> it's because like they just shoot first and they're like fuck, yeah. fuck everything about that right there and that's the way it works so um yeah man like it doesn't work that way and it, like you said you have to expose yourself in order to deliver precision fires yeah yeah and so like having cover it's like all right well you know you have cover but you have to expose yourself in some way shape or form yep. and that's a very very um visceral reality when the mo when the time comes you're like oh shit like i have to expose myself oh yeah a lot of good a lot of good training takeaways i think i think um you know the the biggest thing i would say with this demographic is obviously just a lot younger a lot more mobile um because when we went to, when we went to the sponsor base um they just fucking wrecked like all, all those guys were like pistol shooters and carbine shoes you can tell because mm -hmm you know um they didn't like it's not like I, they struggled with um but you could tell it was very foreign to them uh with like driving a precision rifle but like we went to this uh pistol and, and carbine bays they're just like they're just like burning down dude they're just burning down i'm like uh <laughs> and i i had no idea like i should have i should have done a lot more uh, asking of questions because i didn't even bring any pistol or carbine stuff so i was just yeah. kind of i was just kind of watching and it was it was super cool you know i was able to talk to a lot of what i really liked about that event was i was able to network with a lot of sure people in the industry um uh and yeah it was super i'm, I'm excited to go back there uh, next year and hopefully um the schedule works out for both of us go to go out. dude yeah i mean um the other thing is we have a tremendous resource um john DeFrance, duffy yep. bring yeah, duffy oh, yeah. out we talked yeah. about that right so yep. We should bring, um, you know, Duffy expressed interest in coming back to another class. And so we should just bring him, bring him out and host, uh, host a couple of, uh, kinetic solutions classes for those of you guys who are interested in the pistol carbine stuff. John is a super, super rad dude. He's a great teacher. Um, I would love to, I would love to train underneath him. Yeah. And so. Cause, uh, I know he's done a lot of work also with Frank Proctor and his style is very similar to Frank Proctor um and i like his philosophy so there's that so what's up what you been up to how was your weekend oh man um so this weekend my my son has expressed interest in wanting to to go experience what it's like to hunt in the mountains and do um you know a a backpack hunt sort of kind of backpack hunt and i was just like whoa this is a great opportunity because i don't force anything on him like you know my relationship with luke like he's kind of marches to the beat of his own drum and um you know i just kind of let him discover things on his own and if he decides that he wants to take an interest then sure and so he said yeah i really want to do that and i said okay and he had done it he had asked like several times in a row so it wasn't just this like you know um fleeting uh thought in his mind and so I was like, all right, man, so let's go to a place. Um, I knew that I needed to take him to a place that was, you know, that was relatively easy to access. Um, but at the same time, give him some, you know, give him something to work for and, and make him understand that this is the way this works, right? This is how we hunt. And so um, this is not an easy process by any stretch. But um, with that being said, 
we're starting to see more and more hunters push deeper into the mountains, which is cool. Like, I think that's awesome. Um, if you're inside four miles from a trailhead, you're going to see hunters like period end of story. And so we start looking at that and I'm just like, okay, he's 10. And, um, you know, I don't want to hammer him on the first day, you know? So we went to an area and I pretty much knew we were going to bump into people, but I also knew that there was a really good opportunity to find a bear. And, you know, if I could give him an opportunity to, uh, to see what it's all about, then I wanted to do that, but he did fantastic. He did like 10 miles in, um, a day and a half and climbed like 3000 feet. Yeah, he did. He did great. He did really good. And, um, he stud never complained. Right there. yeah, he never complained. So and he, and he got back to the truck and he was just like, it was hysterical, man. We would eat, uh, we would get back to the truck and, um, uh, we set up the, you know, the rooftop tent and, um, he would eat dinner. <laughs> that kid was in the rack in his sleeping bag as fast as he could possibly get there. Cause he was just completely worn out. And he's just like, I don't care what you do, dad, but I'm going to bed. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning. <laughs> it was just like perfect did you guys sleep under the stars or did you guys did you guys uh nah, we, we we truck tent yeah we just okay. we stayed at the truck um we hiked in every day but um it was good he got to just see what it's all about and um little dude toughed it out and and but he thought about doing a second full day <laughs> he woke up and he's just like i don't know dad my feet hurt really bad i was just like it's cool dude it's cool we'll go again next time so it was a cool experience and, um, you know, hopefully that's something that, uh, that he, that he continues to ask to do. And if he does great, um, if he doesn't, then he'll do other great things. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting, man. I, I know that exciting that is for you, for your, for your, uh, for Luke to tag along with you, you know? Yeah. It was um, super cool. So super cool. Yeah. I'm sure I'm, I, I know he is going to, He's going to invent something one day, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? The kid, man. He's, he's like, uh, he's like a little mini Renaissance man, dude. He just picks up things so quickly. It's so it, fast. It, it blows my mind. It's ridiculous. So. He he's, um, guys, he's, uh, so our, our videographer, Brian, um, whom we've had on the podcast, uh, Brian taught him how to play the guitar. Uh, I think Luke asked about it in May of last year and Brian taught him some stuff. And within a month, that kid was just for the, for that time span, he was ripping on the guitar. And so it was like, oh, okay, this is something that we should probably cultivate. And since then the kid is playing Van Halen and um, we got him in lessons and he's just fucking killing it. So it's been cool to watch that process. So he wants to be a rock star at, that's at 10. A, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> right? So, yep. But, um, yeah. And how's, how's Zoe doing back at school? Everything good. eh? good. I mean, uh, she's in sixth grade. No, sorry. Seventh grade. She's turning 13 this year, but Ooh. school's good. You know, I can't complain. even, even with everything going on. Um, I mean, even last year she was in school all year. They had to wear masks obviously for the first like three quarters and then, the last quarter and then this year n- nothing really changed she expressed how she disliked her schedule um because mm. she like starts off with the think art and i'm like she's just so used to last year it's like 
you got to change it up. You know what I mean? Oh, you're just, you're yeah. Just, you're just, you're just so used to, you know, the, um, your baseline, but dude, uh, art class it's, it's, first thing in first class, dude, that would be rough. That'd be kind of rough. Yeah. She had PT he, at first. He, she had PT first. Oh, last, last year. Interesting. I don't, I don't like, I don't like PT and first thing in the morning. Dude. No, I don't like, it's not my yeah. thing. No, especially like if it. like you wake up late and you have a, like a breakfast and then you just immediately go for like a, a run or oh, whatever. No. Yeah. No, yeah. I just don't do that. I just don't yeah. do that at all. I've yeah. learned those. And <laughs> yeah. so I just wait till later in the day. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, no, all is good. Just getting ready. Um, it's I'm like, just like here, actually, we're getting a lot of uh, smoke out in, um, from the fires. Like today was bad. Uh, I couldn't even see the, uh, I don't even know what those two mountains are called, but the two mountains that you typically see with the, the valley toward Yellowstone. Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and they're only like, do that little pass. Yeah. Like they're only like five, six miles away and you couldn't see shit. Uh, yeah. and, um, but it's starting to cool down, you know, mornings are, are pretty cool. So, uh, I'm going to be going, well, it's August 31st that we're recording. So I'm going to be going on my first scouting trip here in a couple of weeks. Uh, cool. I will be, um, doing, uh, some antelope hunts, uh, at the, also the end of September, which I'm excited for shoot some, nice. some, some, uh, antelope. And then, uh, I, like I said, I'm just really excited to, um, get out there in the, uh, in the country. I'm sorry. Yeah, I started doing some, uh, some overhead, um, reconnaissance, some online recce with uh, Google yep. maps and just kind of getting the lay of the land and the uh it's gonna be exciting yeah we're actually i'm gonna drop a i'm gonna drop a um field skills lesson in the prep to hut series talking about um scouting techniques things that we can do with e-scouting and we got invited to go back to grand teton national park this year to um uh, finish out well i don't think we're gonna finish like it's one of those things it's probably never gonna finish uh, but at the goats um but all these goats now have pushed back into a completely trailless canyon um that we had eyes on last time but we didn't have enough time to get back into it so that's where we're going to be hunting this trip and so with that being said might as well just talk everybody through how i'm going to do the e-scouting for that and um like google maps will teach you guys how to make elevation profiles and um look at different perspectives and understand that what the topographical map says is not necessarily reality <laughs> yeah seriously yeah um what before i forget one thing i did so i met up with uh the founder of range fox have you are you familiar uh, with that app um, no i have not i remember you told me i was headed out to the range this morning so i hadn't had a chance to look it up yet um so range fox is a uh the best way he puts it is accountability tool and what it is is a lot of times people think it's a shot timer, but it's not. It's a way to journal your progress through your um, dry firing and live fire drills. Sure. Um, and uh, so, you know, it's a very, very, uh, he's laying the foundation right now. I think it's great. I think it's great for um, the, their community. And he, you know, talked to me and he's like, I'd love to do the same thing for long range. And he's like, is there anything out there? And I'm like, dude, there's nothing out there. <laughs> yeah. And that's not that, which was, which is perfect. So, um, for guys that are listening, uh, let us know, give us some feedback. If that's something that you guys would, would, would be interested in willing to, um, 
because it's, you know, it's not cheap. Obviously, uh, it's, I think, I mean, it is relatively cheap, but programming in general is not, you know. Um, no, that stuff costs money to develop. Yeah, it costs money. So, um, but uh, he's definitely talking about doing some uh, co-branding uh, with uh, some dry fire drills. And uh, he was actually just commenting on a couple of my posts you know, looking through them and he's like, Hey man, um, cause what we would do is we'd create like a drill, let's say, um, you know, the craft challenge, right. You know, because the craft challenge right now is not really known unless you're like a competitor, you would hyperlink a video to the craft challenge, you know? So like, Hey, demonstrates everything that you would need. And then, you know, you would input your times for each run. Then you would input your group size. Right. And then that would track, Hey, um, you know, you were able to do this and, and we were talking about essentially when you go out to live fire, pretty much, you know, you would start out by like inputting, Hey, this is the mile per hour. This is the size of target that I'm shooting. And then over time it will let you know that, Hey, you're about an 80% shooter in zero to five mile an hour winds, but like five to 10, you drop down to a 60%, you know, shooter. Right. 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 Does, does that make sense? And yeah, I thought totally. that was, I thought that was super cool. Right. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, or like if you if you you know um, are under time, maybe you know if there's no time constraints, you are a you know um, sub MOA shooter. But given a 90 second time limit, you are now a you know one and a half two MOA shooter with that with your rifle. Uh, mm. So certain uh, variables and stuff like independent variables uh, that he can essentially integrate into the app for you to track, which is based off of you know what you want to get out of what your, what your purpose is to, you know, or what your goals are for precision shooting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. That, I, I think that's cool because like you said, there is nothing like that out there. And, um, for those, those people that really like that digital interface, that's, that's super convenient. Um, so I would definitely look at, definitely like to take a deeper look at that for sure. See what's, yeah. uh, see what's there in terms of just developing, yeah. developing, um, more, uh, more consistency and to kind of fight the dogmatic approach that, because now it's documented, right? Yeah. More, documented. More, sta more standardization for precision rifle shooting. Yes, exactly. I think, I think in, in a lot of time, I think a lot of what the general core audience thought like long range shooting was, was like a bunch of like f-class guys shooting groups this guy at dinner was like yeah i heard modern, this this company called modern day it's like honestly i'll be honest with you, i didn't know who you were and i just heard this modern day sniper like team was coming out and i honestly thought you guys were just a bunch of fuds that like <laughs> like we're shooting <laughs> like f-class and like we're gonna be you know um whatever teaching spin drift and coriolis effect and stuff like that and um, he was actually really surprised with the, the, the curriculum and how, you know, um, I was able to teach it for, for six hours. So I, I think there's just so much, again, from, for people that aren't in the direct precision rifle shooting community, um, there's just still a lot of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of unknown, you know, and yeah unless you know the channels to look for. Um, there's a lot of outdated material too, right? Um, stuff it, that's man. on stuff that's on YouTube. So, you know, it's hysterical. Like I was talking to, I was talking to a couple of snipers um, 
and they were talking about like just how there's so much emphasis still on the skill of milling out a target and shooting it with 308s right and it's just like dude we've like it inspired it's actually inspired me to start writing an article on it and um it's gonna fucking you know make some some people whine a little bit but i don't really care because it's something that everybody needs to hear it's a goddamn legacy skill right it's not it's unless you're willing to capitulate the standard to um to be in line with the capabilities of the weapon system and not have it be just dumb luck um then yeah it needs to be looked at for sure i think totally i got a a very interesting question was what was the he asked what is the amount of um, acceptability of your second sight picture in terms of recovering from recoil like how much do you accept with a good shooting position of jumping off target? Um, and I told them that that was straight cartridge dependent typically. Totally. Um, yeah. You know, but no matter what you end up always for the most part going high. Right. But how mm-hmm. high uh, and, you know, we were, I think we ended up talking about, um, Oh, someone asked like, Hey, you know, I have the tremor three, but I like, I've read online and I'm like, why is the tremor three not popular in like the PRS and stuff like that? And I'm like, I mean, there's still some shooters that run it, but typically the reason why it's not as popular, I'm not saying that the Tremor 3 doesn't work. I'm just saying for precision rifle competitors shooting light cartridges, you, you just get lost with your Mm -hmm. impacts um, with all those, with all the dot, with everything that's down there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, that's what it is. You almost have to like with a light cartridge, you almost have to press when you press the trigger, drive that reticle down, get it out of the way to the left to, to bring it into like a, the top right quadrant to be able to see Mm -hmm. the impact. And I was just explaining that, um, it was like, Hey, it's perfect for, you know, obviously gunfighters and, and, uh, military snipers shooting at full size, you know, human torsos, uh, for, you know, quick rapid engagement but for like taking a very precise shot and i was i told him i was like at the end of the day if you're going to take a very precise shot guess what you're going to do you're going to dial your fucking turret mm-hmm. yep you're going to dial your fucking turret so um, i don't i want to hear i don't even want to hear your arguments <laughs> so um yeah no I, I hear you that's that's a very common trend because um that community sees that reticle as the the hot and new thing within uh the military sniper community so therefore that's what the that's what their desire is and so like i want to be like those dudes and then you understand that that is not even like when you start learning and you're just like bro like no like a tremor three is great to teach people how to use wind dots that's fine um, but outside of that, there's literally nothing that that reticle offers you that cannot be accomplished with something far simpler, period, end of story. And so when, then you realize that and you're just like, oh, okay, well, um, I think I either kind of fucked up with my choice in reticles um, or you're like, oh, well, this just isn't the heat the way that I thought it was. Like there's other ways of doing this. And as a matter of fact, if you have some skill and knowledge, then um, you're actually being hampered by using that particular piece of gear or piece of equipment, 
Now it's time to progress and move to something less complex because you're more intuitive at this point. Yeah. You know, there's a, not just with reticles, but just with gear in general, like there's things that work and have been working for you. Right. And then there's gear that like, if only that you just embraced the advancements of technology and advancements of certain things, like you would just be more effective with, Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I have a lot of guys time struggling with like, uh, do I need a first focal plane scope or do I really need to spend, you know, $1,500 on an optic? And it's like, Hey man, like you get what you pay for with your, your rifle. Uh, but when you come to class and you realize you're not able to keep up with the rest of the students mm-hmm. because we're fucking around with your shit, mm-hmm. you are just going to make yourself even more frustrated and it yep. takes away from not the students. It's just taking away from your learning ability because you start getting frustrated with the equipment that you brought. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, cause typically when you start realizing that your gear that you brought with you isn't up to snuff, right. You start, you just start shutting down, you know, and that's mm-hmm. all you're thinking about. Like, well, my fucking gun's a piece of shit. And like, I can't, I can't even carry on. I can't even shoot up. Yeah. That's, that is tough. That's tough, man. And we see that happen a lot with optics and it's just like, you gotta, you gotta at least, you gotta at least be able to embrace the fact it's kind of like understanding the circle of components, understanding like what is your rifles accuracy capabilities. So that way you're not setting yourself up for failure or, um, failed expectations. Yeah. Um, so it's like, Hey man, if this is a minute and a half gun, it's a minute and a half gun you know, whatever it is, what it is. It's like rolling from a good shooting M40 to an M110 SAS, right? Like it's, you don't suck. That's just what that weapon system's capable of. Yeah. Right. Whereas this one over here is designed to be more precise. So don't set yourself up for failure, expecting your gear to do more than what um, it's capable of. Uh, which brings me to my next point is in September, I'm going to go ahead and advertise this now. Be And if you're not on the Modern Day Rifleman Network already, you guys are slacking. That's where we post Slackers. all of our events. Uh, but I've been meaning to do this for the longest time, and I'm finally going to pull the trigger and doing this in September. So you guys have uh, you guys have about three weeks so let's go ahead and on? just shoot for the 22nd. But an intro to optics class. Oh, uh, we're going to do that free. Yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and set it now. Dope. September 22nd. September go 22nd. Calendars. Yep. So what that is, it's going to be a, for, for people that are in the market for optics, um, it's just going to be a down and dirty, like, hey, when you're looking to buy an optic, this is what you're. What, this is what you should be looking for. Not only that, uh, talking about certain nomenclatures, right? Features, uh, understanding uh, the actual nomenclature, and the um, pretty much like a how a scope works one on one. I'm not going to get like Michael Bachelary on you. He teaches <laughs> a phenomenal. Uh, he does uh, man. optics he does. class, but that's more for like advanced, um, you know, understanding of an optic. But this is for like, hey. I'm in the market for a scope. I don't know whether I should get MOA, mill. Um, I don't know what I'm looking for in terms of features, first focal plane or second focal plane. So this is going to answer it all. Uh, and it's going to be free of charge. It's going to be a webinar. And 
Um, I will post the links up in our profile here in the next couple of days. Uh, so, but mark your calendar, September 22nd. Again, it's going to be free of charge. Um, all you have to do is provide pretty much an email because you have to sign up for it and get notifications. But yeah. Yeah, man, that's going to be, so that's, that's going to be down. a great class. That's super good because yeah. that's a, that's some, that's a super common question that, that is Very always common. Asked. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of misinformation and, around floating around out there. That and what rifle should I get it for? And, and guys, check out if you guys haven't, if you guys are new to the podcast, check out. Um, I've already done a, a, a YouTube series on the uh, uh, Tika build and where it's at right now. But also on our modern day sniper YouTube, there is a four, there's four considerations you want to do when purchasing a rifle. Uh, that I go into, which is um, obviously your budget, your application, um, and your, uh, I'm already losing it, budget, application, <laughs> and then uh, your the, the aftermarket support for that uh, mm, system. Yep. So in the case that you do want to, um, oh, and then your cartridge, that's the four. So Cartridge obviously goes hand in hand with avocation, but cartridge mm-hmm. would be one of the considerations. So I, I talk about all that um, in the in our modern day sniper YouTube video. So nice, but very cool, very cool. Yeah, we got we're 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 working steadily on populating the YouTube channel. Um, most notably at the moment is the prep to hunt series, and so we are working on that uh, diligently, and we're putting videos up every week. Um, for our prep to hunt series, both um, in the free YouTube vlog content, as well as in our paid program, which um, is really cool because there's some exclusive stuff in there that you guys aren't going to have access to, um, like a PT program that's super badass that's done by our friend John Warren, who does some programming for Softleet as well. And um, we've got, uh, you know, uh, marksmanship videos in there and all kinds of other stuff. So check that out if you haven't already done so, but uh, expect more vlog stuff to come up on the YouTube channel with the prep done series. Bam. Um, I want to just leave off with one thing. It's a pretty cool engagement that we have here on the modern day rifleman network about barrel breaking. Ooh, I haven't um, checked that thread. Is it, is it, is it blowing up? No, it's on uh, it's in the chat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Boom. People are talking about barrel break in. I'm there. Yeah, a lot of good talking points about um, removing sharp edges, uh, filling in the uh, in the imperfections of the barrel machining process. Um, how long it takes for uh, cartridges to essentially get kind fouled, settle yet settle in. And then essentially what's best practices for breaking a barrel in. And again, that's still like the dogmatic or just like the regurgitation. Um, So dude, this is, this is an, a testament. Okay. As a testament here to the, the power of the search engine, I'm going to put barrel break in and search that library topics there is all kinds of stuff here on barrel break in and that search that search feature is so freaking impressive is this in the network yeah yep yeah, yeah. yep yep 
Mm -hmm. So it's, it's pretty crazy. So like your activity, you can go search all kinds of stuff. It's, it's pretty rad. Yes. Yeah, so check out the, the, uh, the network. If you guys haven't, it's free to sign up. Um, it's, we've got like over 1500 guys there and it's super cool, uh, to, to see it grow. Um, and you know, while you're out there, check out the two free classes that we have, which is, um, which is clean rifle cleaning and is, mm-hmm. uh, what rifle else? safety, rifle safety. Yep. So super cool, cool stuff, man. The amount of the amount of freaking content on this platform is staggering. Like it has grown. You just look at it and you're like, whoa, that happened in six months. Yeah. Holy shit. So well, we're already going into month eight now with our subscription service. So um people are wanting yeah. always asking how that works out. So I mean, if you sign up uh you know get on you for waiting eight months if you now because like if you if you signed up now you would get access to over essentially 32 hours of content yeah it's insane it's insane so and like if you yeah if you (laughs) signing up now it's just like yo dude you're gonna have so much stuff that's ridiculous so much stuff i mean that would be perfect for winter time especially if Mm -hmm. like you're a homebody like i am and just oh, yeah. loves to just be at home when it's too cold outside. <laughs> you just fucking go through content like crazy, but right, right, all right. Well, cool, man, this was a good, uh, good catch up. Good pot, yeah, good catch up, um, guys. Appreciate every single one of you guys listening in. Um, I know this isn't too techy, but we're just catching up with uh, with uh, what's going on with us. Uh, I know some of you guys still like to hear what's, what's new with the modern side, but there's a, there's a few little nuggets in there. If you guys are listening, totally. um, but uh, you know, we appreciate every single one of you guys. Um, uh, and, and one last thing before I, I cut it uh, recently, I had just found out one of our, uh, uh, I would say mm-hmm. baby brothers, younger brothers just uh, was um, unfortunately involved in the um, uh, attack in Afghanistan uh, he was uh, he was helping out with uh, evacuation and unfortunately uh, caught in the blast, lost his leg and half his arm. Uh, so check out my uh, uh, link in bio. All of the proceeds are going to his family to help offset the costs. Obviously, you know, people are I've gotten questions about this. You know, obviously the military is going to cover uh, the, um, the, the, the Marine that is, um, hurt, but uh, the family that is now taking time off work, traveling and stuff like that, obviously those costs are not uh, being covered by the military. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anything helps even a share. Um, and for those that have already donated to the cause, we truly, truly appreciate you guys already. The, I reached out to, uh, this is what's great about the RSF. I called RSF immediately and they were tracking on it. Um, you know, they're already, you know, on, on the low, you know, that's not obviously uh, public, uh, but you know, they've already been writing out checks and, and then, uh, buying flights for families to go see their uh, injured loved ones, uh, mm. which is awesome. <clears throat> Testament is awesome. to, uh, the, the recon cyber foundation and yeah, all of the money that is going to that cause is just going straight for like, even after, I think I was talking to Chris, even after, you know, all the dust settles, they'll, they'll cut checks to. Um, every single family member that was affected by the uh, 
by the incident. So that's awesome, man. That's such a great organization. They do such a good job. Yeah. And I saw there was like a hundred already, like almost 170 grand that's been raised for that, that, that Marines go fund me, which is absolutely insane. That's, yeah. that's super cool. Very cool. So we appreciate you guys for doing that. So, Hell but, yeah. uh, we will see you guys, um, on the next podcast and, uh, you guys know the drill, keep your face on the gun. Right on, man. Next time. <laughs>